Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is Derek and myself, Mike. How's it going this week? Uh, well, it's uh, going. Or, or, or going up to this point. <laughs> it's uh, been interesting. It's the new normal. So, um, it's one of those I had to double check, make sure things were still recording. And they are. <laughs> um, just off the bat. Check out WeebyGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates. Ripped Apparel. I got some great geek-related t-shirts and mashups there. That's where I got my Droid Road t-shirt from that I wore at Celebration. And I've worn at a couple other places, too, uh, convention-wise. Plus, I wear it all the time. Uh, Check out Superhero Stuff and their Hero Boxes. Some great stuff. You got a Hero Box from them, right? No. I was was going to, but... By the time I got, I was going to do the Spider-Man one, but by the time I got to it, they didn't have a shirt in my size. <laughs> um, and I also came with the sweatshirt as well. So that means, folks, you got to act quick. Yeah. Um, or you'll miss out like I did. Loot Crate. Check them out. Check out um, TV Store Online and check out Fan Chest. Yes, it is too late to order for your mom. But it's not too late to order for your dad. Father's Day is coming up. Hey, and uh, Look at that. I know if I had a kid, I might like a, a fan chest for one of my favorite teams that's listed on their site. That's if I had a kid. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, I do. But she's not listening because right now, as we're recording, she's in bed. And she doesn't really <laughs> listen to the show, which, okay. Um, also, too, check out, check out the store option in the menu bar on WeebyGeeks.net. And check out our store. It's the Tee Public store. Um, different logos from us and Mighty Marvel Geeks and Wookiee Radio. I know there's no keepers on there. There's no New England Society of Geeks. I don't run those shows. Derek runs those shows. If he gets us T Public Store set up, we'll plug that as well. But these are the I shows. I guess we'll have to talk to him about that. Yeah, that Derek guy. What a slacker. So we'll, yeah, totally. So, so we'll have to. Uh, but these are the shows that I that I personally produce and edit. So uh, some stuff there. Um, so check that out. Uh, checking out any of these places doesn't cost you anything more when you buy from them, but it does help support the show. Uh, questions, comments for us, hit us up at WeebyGeeks at WeebyGeeks.net or leave us a voicemail on our speak pipe on, on the website. Or I used to have the Google Voice number, but I think I've I think I've dropped it. <laughs> I may repursue Google Voice again. So anyway, moving on. Um, conventions. You've heard us talk about uh, pet peeves at shows. Uh, I will say I was a little surprised last week when the cat and mouse crew kind of, without knowing it, backed me up on my stance about cosplayers at conventions. <laughs> I, I think you guys were a little shocked, too. Yeah, not really. You you old people, you know. Hey, you're not that much younger than I am. That is true. Uh, no, it... it... 
I had to put my phone on the charger. Uh, I won't. I don't. I don't totally disagree with you at all. Actually, actually, I agree with a lot of the things you said. It's just that um, I know uh, you know too. But with the reasons behind, you know the reasons behind it. It's just it's all about money and stuff. So it's just not. Oh well, no, it's about money. So to me, it's just not worth my. It's not worth me getting upset over because because I'm just like whatever. It's their con. Let them do what they want. Whatever. See, this is why I still say they should be supporting more the local cosplayers. I agree totally. And, and promoting them, we don't need to be bringing these people in, paying for their hotel rooms, paying for them to be at the show. Why? Just because they have sexy lingerie shots for sale on their website, or sexy cosplay shots on their website, and that's all they're known for. Mm. And a lot of these big name cosplayers that are brought in for conventions, um, I don't think people realize for them begging and mooching for your money, which <laughs> I've seen quite a bit of them do that on social media. It's they pull in over they pull in six figs a year just from doing convention circuits. Mm. And yet they still complain they don't have enough money. Well, I mean, I for, just, uh, for, for me, I still think. I still think kind of things like the cons have getting re- gotten ridiculous these days with and it's it I it feels like like you know it's supposed to be a comic convention but it feels like the comic creators and stuff are kind of taking up getting pushed to the back for every for not just the cosplayers but all the media guests and everything and now the uh the YouTubers yeah as you mentioned before <laughs> There are YouTube conventions like Playlist Live that was just here in Orlando mm. a couple weeks ago. Um, but to start bringing YouTubers to a convention and having them, I, n- I don't know about this year because I won't be attending MegaCon this year, but to have them sitting with with media guests? Mm. No. What are you famous for? Unboxing videos. <laughs> Yay. I'll pay your, I'll pay 35 bucks for your picture or autograph. Not. Anyway, but there was supposed to be a show this last weekend. Uh, was it this last weekend or was it two weekends ago? Two weekends ago. Uh, it was a show called Universal Fan Con, and the creator blames the fan community for a con debacle. Hmm. Now, when I read this initial headline, I'm like, oh, say what? Nah. Um, Universal Fan Con uh, is a show in Baltimore. was intended to be an inclusive fan convention that celebrated diversity. The convention was the brainchild of Robert Butler uh, from the Black Geeks. And Jamie Brodna or Brodnox, I don't know, uh, from Black Girl Nerds. Um, they did a, a Kickstarter campaign for this. Uh, note to self, we don't do Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for something like this. Yeah. That raised $56,498 with an initial goal of 2500 bucks. Wow. Okay. One, 2500 bucks to do a show? Uh, no, I think it takes a lot more than that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> However, despite the fan ba- backing, uh, I'm reading this from Mary Sue, from themarysue.com. Uh, despite the fan backing and all of its support, um, especially the marginalized groups, a week before the con was supposed to take place, 
it was canceled due to lack of funds. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yep. So, um, <sighs> sure. Uh, so fans, sponsors, and guests were rightfully outraged when people behind the convention waited till the last minute to cancel this thing. You know, inform everyone that was a financial deficit that that caused them to cancel. Uh, people who already invested money also booked hotels, airplane tickets, and were left with little information. Uh, pulled up another site talking about uh, we're stunned that it was postponed before. The Hyatt, uh, the Hyatt Hotel that was near them <laughs> was sending out emails stating that the room you booked has been canceled. Wow. And the concierge from that particular Hyatt said, hello, we have been advised that the group that has canceled this event with the hotel. So apparently this was going to be done at, at the convention part or in one of the ballrooms, maybe, of this hotel. Um, so thankfully, people are resourceful. And I guess Wisconsin Comic Con popped up in Baltimore to give those who were left with little options a place to have fun and enjoy themselves. Okay, it's W-I-C-O-M-I-C-O-N. Who is this group? Uh... With Comic-Con? Yeah. Interesting. Um, with Comic-Con is a joint effort by the Nerds of Color, Black Heroes Matter, New Release Wednesday, and Thurbler Girl, <laughs> along with a couple others. I, I am still not sure what the show is. Anyway, so they, they came to the rescue. Um, besides the loss of funds, which was bad enough, black girl nerds also removed the bylines from some contributors who spoke up about their problems with the BGN community, including lack of credit and lack of pay. Okay. I flat out tell you folks, and Derek will attest to this, when I ask about joining the network or writing for Weeby Geeks or Mighty Marvel Geeks or Wookie Radio, um, it's for you to have an outlet and for the joy of it if i could pay you i would i've had people ask me how much do you pay do you pay by word by paragraph by page honestly i don't have the ability to pay right now so if you're wanting to do it it's it's out of the kindness of your own heart <laughs> and it gives you a place to it's a platform for you to to say what you want to say and i usually don't censor it True. so if you come out and say star wars sucks then star wars sucks i'm just not gonna have you put that on wookie radio <laughs> Um, so anyhow, um, BGN said it was an accidental, an accident slash glitch, but the timing leaves many in doubt. Uh, now it is possible to have both sympathy for Broadnax and call her and Butler out for their major error in financial judgment. Um, but decisions made in light of the financial judgment and their response to the criticism are the problem. Uh, in a story published by Vulture um, or Vulture.com, Butler makes the following statement. It was hubris, said Butler, in his only interview discussing the implosion. Hubris, and as he went on to suggest, a surprising lack of enthusiasm for diversity amongst fans. If more fans had bought tickets, he said, the whole debacle could have been avoided. Unfortunately, they just didn't. Uh, I should have known better, but I let my belief in this non-existence, non-existent community blind me. Um, so th this is wow. my, this is my favorite line after this. Um, excuse me. <laughs> it's because of that non-existent community that Universal FanCon was even able to form a true concept in the begin, uh, in the first place. Um, 
Not only did they double their goal that they had set by Kickstarter or set on Kickstarter, but they invested what they had into attending. The problem is the people behind the the convention had no real financial expertise and spent more time scurrying huge celebrity guests such as Billy D. Williams, Roxanne Gay, Orlando Jones, Mikad Brooks, etc., and renting a huge convention staff space instead of running it through a hotel. Guys, start small. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not forget the fact that as people who are running a convention, our marginalized nerds and geeks should have a better understanding of the financial difficulties affecting poor people. Um, but when starting a con for the first time, it's just basic business sense to start small and then expand, i.e. FlameCon, um, i.e. San Diego Comic-Con. Um and of course, FlameCon, uh, which is the example Mar- the Mary Sue gives, has upgraded its location pretty much every year since it began. Uh, now, the creators of this con have every right to be frustrated and to defend themselves against the onslaught of criticism, but they can't get past the fact that they are part of the black nerd community. And apparently this is one of those cases where black lives don't matter. Ooh. You took money. <laughs> Mm. It's not a good thing. Uh, they were supposed to be doing this for people who don't often feel they have a safe place within the nerd culture. Uh, I don't know if I see that as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there there is a big place. It's If if they don't have a place, then it's, sorry, it's your fault not, for not stepping up and making your place known, you know? Um, so... Uh, Butler and and Broadnax, they let people down, and uh, Butler comes close to that when he admits that they believe their own hype. When it, when it came to seeing the social media response, he goes, we're in the bubble of social media. Our critical mistake on size and scope was what we believed that our combined tens of thousands of Twitter followers would actually come out and support us. Um so I, nearly a year and a half after they made the deposit, they had only ha- sold a hundred or so tickets. There was no marketing, says former director of entertainment for FanCon. And if you don't know someone directly involved, you wouldn't have known about FanCon Con at all, which led them to hire consultants who promised them that they'd see results. Meanwhile, they'd given five figures offers to their celebrity guests. Yeah, your convention request Kickstarter was five figures. Is there a link? Is there a website for this place? <laughs> probably, they probably shut it down. I would hope so. No, it looks like it's still up. Um, part of this too, uh, as of the start of 2018, four months before the convention. Butler said they had only sold 169 tickets. The article then goes on to describe events from March onward to the day they canceled, which was just a flurry of bad news. Orlando Jones dropped out. They were 289000 in the red. Broadnax secured a $10,000 sponsorship from Sci-Fi Wire, but at that point, it was pretty much useless. How do we get a $10,000 sponsorship? I know, right? Um... Yeah, this just says cluster all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go to their homepage, Universal FanCon. FanCon has been postponed until further notice. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Um, yeah. So beyond that, there is there's no way of seeing what the fan list was like. This this is cons go wrong. It happens. Yeah, but this was. Yeah, this this is a whole new level. 
But you know, I'm here. I've been hearing Wizard World is kind of in the same type of trouble. I know that's crazy. Uh, I mean, how many times in the last couple of years have you heard me say, "Oh, Wizard World's coming to Orlando"? I mean, this mm. is what your fourth year on the show? Is it close Jeez. to that? 2015, right? Mm, was third it? Year. Wow. Third year. Yeah, third year. Yeah, so 2016, wow. the Wizard World was supposed to be here. 2017, it was supposed to be here. They said, oh, it was postponed again. Well, now they didn't even bother scheduling it for this year. Hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, what's going on? Well, one, this show is... He, Orlando has a crap ton of conventions, big, you know, big time here in the area between Spooky Empire and Walker Stalker Cons coming back this this year and MegaCon and you know, the stuff in Tampa and the stuff in Daytona and Anna, Florida Anime. And it's nuts around here. It really is. <laughs> so, yeah, I I. I mean, there's there's a, a comic book shop who does a convention every Sunday, or does it on, on a Sunday once a quarter? It's like Orlando Toy and Comic Show. Um, it's cool. Awesome. I think that may be the way to do it to begin with. Something small. They do, yeah. it, at, they do it at a ballroom, at a, at a convention, at a hotel. Start so, small. Get your, get your stuff in, then build up to it. Like I have, I have a friend who started his his own convention locally here, and he his first convention was in a um, like a VF hall. Okay. And then the next the next year, because that one did so well, he moved up into the local uh, bingo parlor center. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So now his his show's a little bigger, and this year it was even bigger. So you got to start small and build your way up. If you start small and do a really good show, then you know it'll be easier to to help it grow with that. Right, right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, we we've joked around about oh, we need to do our own our own show. But one, where would we do it? At this point in time, it's either up there in Boston area or down here in the Orlando area. <laughs> Um, if we incorporate it with Mighty Marvel Geeks, then we add Ohio, which mm. the Geek Watch One folks, they've got a crap ton of stuff already in their area. Mm. Um, there's Birmingham, Alabama, where Eric lives. That wouldn't be a bad idea. We just don't do it during the football season. <laughs> but, I mean, win the lottery? I say we pursue it. We don't win the lottery? Yeah, it ain't happening. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just point blank it ain't happening so um yeah i i don't have anything else on this so i guess we can move on to the next story well you know i was thinking you know what the you know what those uh those people that tried to start the con need right now they need a phone booth that travels through time so they can go back in time and erase what they've done <laughs> Yeah, and think. I just happen to know of two people that have a telephone booth that travels through time, and that would be none other Wild than stallions. Exactly, Bill and Ted. Um, so I have been talking for a while on various shows here and on my show, Keepers of the Fringe, about the uh, Bill and Ted Three that's supposed to be coming out. That's been in the works for a while now. Yeah. And good news, folks. It's finally a go. 
the third Bill and Ted movie is officially in the works now. So it's going to be called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, and it's, it's going to uh, – Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are going to be coming back as Bill and Ted. Okay. Uh, it, it is currently in pre-production. Uh, there was a script uh, written by the franchise creators Chris, Math- Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, uh, who did Men in Black, and and uh, Dean Parasot or Pariso or whatever <laughs> of Galaxy Quest is confirmed to direct. Uh, Scott Krupp will produce with Alex Le- Lebov- Leb- Lebov- Leb- whatever his name is, <laughs> and Steve Ponce of Hammerstone Studios, with Steven Soderbergh serving as an executive producer alongside, alongside Scott Fisher, John Ryan Jr., and John Santilli. Uh, and this info comes from Deadline. Um, so, of course, the story is about two guys who were failing history class. And they were uh, prophesized to save the universe with their rock and roll. And uh, it starred, original starred George Carlin as Rufus, who came back in time with a time-traveling telephone booth to let Bill and Ted travel through time, collecting historical figures such as Napoleon and Socrates, who they referred to as Socrates, and bring them back for their history exam so they could pass their exam. And they're supposed to have written a song that pretty much uh, unifies the entire universe together. So um, Bill and Ted Face the Music is going to feature Bill and Ted uh, as middle-aged men with family responsibilities who have yet to fulfill their destiny. They've written thousands of tunes, but they have yet to write a good one, much less the greatest song ever. (laughs) With, (laughs) With the fabric of time and space tearing around them, a visitor from the future warns the duo that only their music can save life as we know it. Out of luck and inspiration, Bill and Ted set out on another time travel adventure with the help of their daughters, a new crop of historical figures, and some sympathetic music legends to seek the song that will set the world right and bring harmony to the universe as we know it. It is not a Justin Bieber tune. Oh, no. <laughs> and Cayenne so, West is close behind it as being a no-go as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the film rights owned by MGM, and they're going to release it in the U.S. and Canada under their Orion Pictures banner. Uh, so Winter and Reeves said, we couldn't be more excited to get the whole band back together again. Chris and Ed wrote an amazing script, and with Dean at the helm, we've got a dream team. So, of course, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that came out in 1989, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991 uh, kind of became a bit of cult classics. Um, Just a little. I, I love the movies. I have always loved them since I first saw them in the theaters. Well, Bill and Ted became part of a... I had a major show up until last year at Halloween Horror Nights here in Orlando. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like, cool. Mm-hmm. if you went to Halloween Horror Nights, yeah, you, you did the Haunted Houses. But the big thing was you'd go see the Bill and Ted show as well. Just no look at um, YouTube, Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted's Halloween Horror Nights. Mm-hmm. And there's video of some That's of the shows. Good. Oh, cool. Um, so, of course... Uh, there's a big hope that the nostalgia factor will bring a lot of fans back to see the movie. I know it will certainly bring me back. 
Um, and Bloom's Alex Walton said, fans of Bill and Ted have been waiting for Reeves and Winter to reunite since their last bogus journey in 1991. This wow. is excellent. 91. All right. Yeah. Although, you know, there's been talk off and on about this happening for so long now. It seemed like it would never happen. But now it's actually happening. Now, Keanu Reeves is currently in production on the third installment of the John Wick franchise. Alex Winter uh, more recently has transitioned to writing and directing with credits including Epic's documentary Deep Web and VH1 documentary Downloaded. And then he also has a documentary coming out on Frank Zappa, and that is called, you guessed it, Zappa. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so. I I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's in pre-production and we're going to have our finally have our third Bill and Ted movie. And I cannot wait. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fun. Yes, it will. It'll be weird seeing them as middle-aged men. (laughs) Yeah. The only downside, of course, is no George Carlin. But, you know, not much you can do about that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, nope. So, um, how about this? New solo clip. Uh, Why are we talking... We're, we're going to have like three Star Wars stories this week. Why? Because we have a surprise over on Wookiee Radio this week. So it's important what we talk about it here instead. Uh, new solo clip. Are, are we doing a, a porg cooking show? <laughs> cooking with porgs. <laughs> cooking with porgs. Porgs. It's what's for dinner. I, I'm i just going to say, I harrow what you're saying. No. <laughs> oh, no? Maybe they'll make sense after after Friday when we record or oh. Saturday oh. And, and this yeah. weekend when it when it releases. You know, that's that could almost be part of the show title. I harrow <laughs> what you're saying. I suppose it could. Good. We could be just acting like ghosts about this or, or this could be a phantom rumor. Don't you have a story that you were going to cover? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, Spectre One. <laughs> um, if this doesn't shut the fanboys up, I don't know what will. New solo clip indicates Han's expanded universe story is now Star Wars canon. You happy? You got a small piece of the expanded universe as part of the new canon? Did people not say have a little faith? You know, they'll never be happy. No, they won't. Um, So, taking how Disney has hurled the expanded universe into the trash compactor, uh, there's been question as to how Solo, a Star Wars story, would handle the origins. Well, a clip that came out on the Kimmel show earlier this week um, seems to confirm that part of his EU background has made it into the new canon. Now, the article we get this from on IO on Gizmodo um, saying Disney's new canon. It's not Disney's new canon. It's Lucasfilm's official canon. Let's yeah. get that part right now. The expanded universe, as we've been saying, expanded universe was never canon to begin with. There was inconsistencies with the timeline as it was being, as everything was being written because no one wrote it down to to keep a timeline or a canon going. I don't know why these people have such a hard time with this. And I wish I could find it, but even George Lucas said not canon. Um, I'll, I'll have to look when you hit the next story. Um, so anyhow, 
The clip is shared uh, from Woody Harrelson, a.k.a. Beckett, uh, and it focuses on Beckett and Val as they plot to steal some stuff from an Imperial assault on what looks like uh, Mimban, uh, which is also from the Expanded Universe. They're disguised as ground troops, but they're really bad at it. As Han points out, an Imperial soldier who is eager, who at the time is an Imperial soldier eager to join their mission. Uh, it's interesting for three reasons. First, we get to hear Val speak. She's snarky and kind of a badass. Second, we get to see how Beckett and Han first meet on Membon. Um, which, you know, well, has a major impact on the film and Han's life. And finally, it seems to confirm what we've long expected. Han's origin story from the expanding universe is now being made canon, in part. In the original EU, Han is an ex-Imperial soldier who rose the ranks with his sweet pilot skills, only to leave the Empire because he was just too darn noble. Here's Here's been changed up a bit. Uh, he wasn't always a smuggler. He was a soldier for the Empire because he dreamed become, of becoming a pilot, only to get stuck as some nobody ground trooper with zero prospects. Faced with mm. that kind of future, who wouldn't want to join up with Tobias and Val and become a smuggler? Sure, that makes sense. So, so we'll have to see how it plays out with him wanting to know with the scenes where he's saying he wants to be a pilot and what happens there yeah he do something wrong and get grounded possibly so i could definitely see that happening to han yeah so um but yet we have more news that we do speaking of han let's move on to han's ship the falcon the millennial falcon <laughs> no it's millennium <laughs> so uh there's a new book series coming out this fall it's uh going to be titled Flight of the Falcon. And it is, uh, according to StarWars.com, it says, take a ride on the Millennium Falcon in a new series that connects all Star Wars eras for new adventures with Lando, Han, Hondo, and more. Hey, that's funny. If, if Hondo had an A in his name, it would be a combination of Lando and Han. <laughs> Oy. <laughs> ah, the famous line. She may not look like much, but the Millennium Falcon has got it where it counts. And uh, this fall, StarWars.com can exclusively announce that kids of all ages will get the chance to climb aboard, make the jump to hyperspace with a new series of stories, Flight of the Falcon from Lucasfilm Publishing. Uh, landing at a docking bay or bookseller near you in time for Star Wars Reads in October, the series of books and comics about the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy will help connect different eras of Star Wars storytelling through the adventures aboard the beloved ship. Each fiction title will include a map to trace the literal flight path and help readers understand the time and place where each story is set. Uh, Bayzine Nettal, the spy seen on Takodana in The Force Awakens, is on the hunt for the Falcon, and her intel leads her across the galaxy to Batu, a remote outpost on the galaxy's edge, in order to find the Falcon. Hmm. Mm. Have you heard of Bayzine, those two terms before? I believe I might have. Oh, uh, where would you have heard those at? Oh. <clears throat> That was a little creepy. Don't do that. <laughs> no. uh, no. uh, creepy is the other one I do. <laughs> oh, I, I like Batu at the Galaxy's Edge, oh, especially when Peter, when, when Chris Griffin's there. Oh. That's definitely a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, to continue, uh, <clears throat> Basine must learn all she can about the infamous YT 
1300 freighter, the ship that countless bounty hunters and Imperials have almost caught over the years. Uh, these tales take us from a time just before Solo, a Star Wars story, when Lando and L3 had the Falcon through the original trilogy and into the new trilogy, ending on the incredible world of Batu, says Michael Siglane, creative director of Lucasfilm Publishing. The series will launch with a book by New York Times bestselling author Justina Ireland and the extraordinary illustrations of artist, of artist Annie Wu with Star Wars Lando's Luck, a middle grade novel aboard Lando's pristine version of the ship. Uh, among the other stories will be an installment from the new Star Wars Choose Your Destiny line of tales in a Luke and Leia adventure written by Kevin Scott with art by Elsa Caretier. The twins must steal the Falcon for a top secret mission. And in Star Wars Pirate's Price, written by Lou Andrews with art by Annie Wu, the ship will be back in the hands of Han and Chewie when the pair teams up with one of the most nefarious and fan favorite smugglers in the galaxy, Hondo Onaka. Ooh, I like that. Han and Chewie with Hondo. That's awesome. Uh, That'd be awesome. So the books are aimed at middle grade readers ages 8 to 12, but perfect for anyone who loves a good Star Wars story. Uh, I did find while looking for, uh, before we get into the other story, what did George Lucas think of the old Star Wars EU? Uh, this is from Furious Fanboys. Uh, story originally came out June 7th of 2016. It was updated March 26th of this year. Uh, being 2018, um, there, you know, story starts off over the last few weeks. Those who want Star Wars to restore the old expanded universe have resulted to really puzzling reality in their minds. They're now trying to convince people that the old expanded universe, specifically the Tron trilogy, was George Lucas's original plan for the sequel trilogy, and by that logic, Lucas must restore it to canon status. Hmm. Um, when questioned, uh, this one was about uh, from Starlog. Uh, Lucas says, I don't read that stuff. I haven't read any of the novels. I don't know anything about that world. That's a different world than my world, but I do have, I do try and keep it consistent. The way I do it now is they have a Star Wars encyclopedia. So if I come up with a name or something else, I look it up and see if it's already been used. When I said, and then other people can make their own Star Wars stories, we decided that like Star Trek, we would have two universes. Mm -hmm. My universe and then this other one. They try to make their universe as consistent with mine as possible, but obviously they get enthusiastic and want to go off in other directions. This is from Starlog Magazine 337. So he's saying right there, the movies and anything he had hands on directly is the prime universe. The expanded universe was an alpha universe. Exactly. So basically saying there, the EU is not canon. Uh, he also ex expressed disdain for elements of the EU back in 2008 uh, in an interview with Total Film. As part of a larger quote where he says there would never be a sequel trilogy at the time Star Wars movies were firmly an Anakin story, Lucas mocks some of the bigger stories from the expanded universe. Once Vader dies, he doesn't come back to life. The Emperor does, does not get cloned, and Luke does not get married. Hmm. So that's 2008. He then specifies not canon. Uh, Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo, keeper of the Holocron, uh, addressed this on Twitter by saying he believed Lucas looked at some of the comics but never read the novels. Um, 
So the old expanded universe served two purposes. First, it was a way for Lucasfilm to make money that would eventually help finance the special editions, prequels, and other projects. Sadly, it was given to fans. It, it was to give fans some kind of Star Wars content during dry spells when there wasn't much Star Wars to consume. It wasn't some secret backdoor way for Lucas to reveal his true sequel trilogy. Uh, it was just licensed fan fiction that he really never read. Now, then we go into uh, science fiction and fantasy. Where did this come from? The Stack Exchange. Uh, did George Lucas ever express any opinion on post-Episode 6 Star Wars stuff? Um, someone goes, there are two ways to answer this. EU has a class and specific, mesh and specific information in the EU. Uh, one example was to use was his use of Corsican as the capital planet of the Empire in the prequels, taken from Timothy Zahn's EU books. Uh, well, no, because they mentioned in the original trilogy that Corsican was the capital planet because that's where the Senate met. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and then. Now, Timothy Zahn confirmed this at Celebration 3. He goes, just to make it clear, I did not invent the planet. George Lucas had invented the planet-wide city a long time ago. When I was starting the Thrawn trilogy, they told me to coordinate with West End Games source material, and they had it listed as, a, as the Imperial Planet. Nobody names a planet Imperial Planet, so I thought it needed a name, so I picked the word that means glittering. Corsica, apparently, when it came time to choose the name for the films, people persuaded George to go with Corsica and, it, and be done with it. But I could have sworn he already mentioned Corsica, or Corsica was mentioned in New Hope. Maybe I'm wrong hmm. at this point in time. I could be wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's where we stand there. Now, bringing us back... Um, Marvel, uh, the Darth Vader comic written that's currently being written by Karen Gillian, is to reveal the origins of Vader's Mustafar Fortress. Um, though Vader has been taking something of a backseat in the modern run of the Star Wars movies, uh, well, yeah, because he's dead, except for Rogue <laughs> One, which he was a minimal influence anyway. Uh, I think Vader, Vader's screen time in Rogue One was perfect. Yes. Um, the at least in the Marvel comics, he has been uh, expanded to, to to having more of his story told, anti-villain story told, actually, than what we've seen on the big screen. In fact, they're 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 actually among the best that the company has produced in a while, story-wise, that Marvel's produced. Um, yeah. Right now, what comes close? Well, hopefully, Jason Aaron's Avengers is going to come close. Uh, but the whole Marvel side has problems on their own. Movies could be successful, but the comics can't. Whatever. Um, <laughs> actually, this isn't Karen Gillian. This is the new series by Charles Soule. Uh, taking Twitter this week, writer Charles Soule has revealed what an upcoming arc uh, is going to be about. And, and telling us it's called Vor uh, Fortress Vader. Fortress Vader. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll explore how the villain got his gothic castle uh, that he f um, that's found on Mustafar, which incidentally is the only planet not listed whose name's not mentioned in uh, Rogue One. Did you get, did you ever catch that? All the other planets they go to, they say Jeddah, Scarif, whatever. Mustafar, no mention. Hmm, I did not realize that. Yeah, you have to watch it again. I guess so. What a good excuse. <laughs> the the fortress appears uh, initially in Rogue One, uh, revealing that it's a, a charming building, so to speak, 
where Vader has chosen to lay his helmet down. Uh, it has become a fascinating addition to the character's mythology. Of course, the planet holds a lot of importance to him because that's where he was shed a few inches. <laughs> um, of course, Mustafar is where he originally became Vader. Uh, became Vader. Became Vader. And after <laughs> all, uh, it was also where the Anakin's true final battle was before going into the armor. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how this is going to come about. Uh, and of course, as most people should know, I'm a huge Marvel fan at this point in time. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I just a little bit. <laughs> at least they do their movies right. That's for sure. So, uh, we shall move along. Move in right along. Sorry. <clears throat> yes, well, speaking of Marvel movies and such... Move along. Move along. I'm moving. <laughs> um, so, as has been the big one of the big news stories of the last few months... Uh, 21st Century Fox has gone up for sale... And after much speculation, it looks uh, it looked to be that Disney is going to purchase them and their assets for fifty two billion dollars. And of course, everybody is excited about that because that will mean, for one thing, uh, the Fox Marvel properties such as X Men, uh, Deadpool, Fantastic Four, and such will be coming back to Marvel. And could become getting worse all the time. Oh, you haven't heard the half of it, Lando. And will hopefully become a part of the MCU. That was Boba Fett. Uh, Sure. (laughs) However. You want me to play it again? (laughs) No, that's all right. Okay. That wasn't Boba Fett. That was Lando. No, it was Boba Fett. It was Lando. This deal is getting worse all the time. It's Timmy Morrison, Morrison, who is Jango Fett doing... Lando. No, it's Boba Fett from the... That is Lando. It's Boba Fett. It's Lando. (laughs) It's Boba Fett. (laughs) It's Lando. Now I'm going to find this on YouTube and prove you wrong. Know that. Go right ahead. Now, as I was saying, so... The Disney deal, Disney's was set as is set to purchase Fox for $52 million, get all the assets. However... Uh, Comcast is making is preparing a last ditch effort to try and buy Fox again. They tried earlier and ended up not going through with the deal they offered. But now, according to Reuters or Routers or whatever you want to call it, uh, Comcast is preparing a sixty billion dollar deal to try and overtake the fifty two billion dollar deal that Disney and Fox currently have. Um, whether Fox actually has a chance to accept this is still unknown, but it would throw a wrench at the plans Disney has to put these characters in the MCU. Not to mention having ownership over the other properties Fox has. So now at the last minute, Comcast is scrambling to get together a deal to try to outbid Disney. <laughs> I wonder what will happen. I don't know. Let's let's take a quick pause real quick because I'm going to share a screen with you because I found it. Uh-huh. And here we go. Skip ahead. Lord Vader. That's you may Lando. take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me dead. He will not be permanently damaged. Lord Vader, what about Leia and the Wookiee? 
They must never again leave this city. That was never a condition of our agreement, nor was giving hand to this bounty hunter. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? No. Good. It would be unfortunate if I had to leave a garrison here. This deal is getting worse all the time. Okay. I was wrong. It was Lando. I stand I corrected. <laughs> <laughs> like that happens all the time. <laughs> hey, I admit when I'm wrong. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that's all I have on that story. Yeah. I, that Fox, that Fox deal is not, um, all it's going to end up doing is going to cause Disney to, to make a counter. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And either that or, yeah, you, you mean, I believe you did mention in the story that they're kind of waiting too on what's happening with the, um, mm-hmm. AT&T and Time Warner story, uh, scenario, didn't you? I did not, but. Yeah, they're, they're kind of waiting to see what the, the outcome comes from that case. Yeah. Um, because if, if Comcast was to buy Fox, then there was talk of potential, um, it, Monopoly scenario, whereas uh, with this, with Disney, this still leaves a balance out there. Um, but if if the courts approve the AT&T Time Warner, then that just opens up the door for Comcast to make the, the counter bid. Right. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it really is. Now, what's also crazy, Adam Warlock is not, most likely won't be in Avengers 4 either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so even though he was referenced pretty hard in Guardians 2, uh, supposedly a, a reference to him in Guardians and even in Guardians 2, uh, well, I said Guardians 2, um, but also supposedly was in the, speculated to be in the cocoon in the collector's lair during Guardians 1, um, there, there's some hope that he's going to show up, but... Chances are not in the upcoming untitled Avengers 4. Um, now, this is coming from Joe and Anthony Russo, who confirmed he will not appear in their next film. Yeah, Adam Warlock's not showing up in our stories. Our job, as we said a million times, is to tell the, the story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not do direct adaptations of comics because we're comic fans. Uh, the director goes on to explain that for the film to have weight, it needs to have a surprise to the audience. And I'm waiting for the surprise of my dogs to start barking. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, uh, the director goes on to explain that for a film to have weight, it needs to have a surprise. Uh, those who never picked up a comic before, as well for those who did. Uh if I know all the events story as they are going to happen, then what's the point in going to the film? Well, I keep surprising audiences and continue the story that started with Iron Man a decade ago. Now, many theories about Warlock have been introduced. Um, and, you know, once the character was teased in one of the mid credit scenes during Guardians 2, um, but his arrival seemed imminent and we have yet to see him emerge out of his cocoon. So there. Now, going on to the whole comic thing. 
um, one of the Facebook pages that I'm on, someone said, had questioned, does Marvel do movie adaptations? Like, someone goes, nope, just maybe a prelude. So you kind of get an idea of what's leading up to. Right. And someone came back, or that person came back and said, well, they should really do one for Infinity War. I think it would sell great. To which I replied <laughs> back, it did back in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anything on that page, on that post since. So I think I became a post killer. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, well, that is unfortunate news. I'm really eager to see, uh, Adam Warlock at some point. He's always been one of my favorite characters. <laughs> And apparently your dogs as well. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't hit the mute button fast enough. <laughs> but we do have one big power player coming soon, and that is Captain Marvel. And according to some sources, Captain Marvel is going to be a game changer for the superhero movie genre. Uh, according to a report from Screen Geek, Captain Marvel won't just be another fun superhero movie, but will be just as big a game changer as Infinity Four, Infinity Four, <laughs> Infinity War was. Uh, considering the humongous revelations and developments of that film, it sounds unlikely that Marvel will be able to match it, but that's what we're hearing from a trustworthy source, in quotations, who gave a fascinating quote to the outlet. And here is that quote. Though Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War were all different and original movies, nothing is going to be as different and original as Captain Marvel. The upcoming movie from Anna Bolden and Ryan Fleck is going to change the Marvel Cinematic Universe and give us something no one has seen before and something that no fan is expecting. Wonder Woman was obviously considered a very important movie for women, but Captain Marvel is going to blow it away. It's going to completely redefine superhero movies, similar to how Marvel Studios changed everything back in 2008. If you thought Infinity War was a game changer, you're not ready for what's coming in Captain Marvel. So that is some pretty big talk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh... There's been a recent rumor that possibly uh, that could be involving uh, some scrolls, as the scrolls might rumor is the scrolls are going to appear in Avengers Four after making yeah. their debut in Captain Marvel, which can happen uh, as it was talked about because we talked about over at Mighty Marvel Geeks. The scrolls can be part of the MCU. Right. It's at the moment, just like with the X-Men and Fantastic Four, at the moment, characters like Captain Scroll, is that right? Captain Scroll? Or you mean the Super Scroll? Super Scroll cannot appear in the MCU. A specific right. Scroll character cannot, but the Scroll race can. So they can make right. up a new character for the sake of the movie, but that's about it. <sighs> Well, I mean, of course, the Super Scroll wouldn't make sense anyway, since he has all the powers of the Fantastic Four. But, uh, yeah, so they can still use the Scrolls as an alien race. Yeah. Uh, and that could make things very interesting in the MCU. Yeah. As it did with the, uh, there was a storyline called Secret Invasion, in which the Skrulls invaded, <laughs> but uh, they they disguise themselves as different 
characters in the Marvel Universe. And uh, that was a pretty cool story. I enjoyed that yeah. one. Now, going back to Avengers 4, they have come out and said that, um, what, oh, shoot, Endgame is most likely not the name of the movie. That makes sense, yeah. Um, and that the movie, that the name did not was not mentioned in the film. Well, that, that's that's kind of a lot. Well, yeah, I heard I heard um, I heard you guys talking about it on Mighty Marvel Geeks last week, and uh, you guys mentioned that it could be like like the placeholder name, like Blue Harvest was for Return of the Jedi and stuff. Which, that would make sense. I agree. And, and to continue with the spoilers from that episode, which was Infinite Spoilers and Beyond, uh, here's a list of everyone who dies in Infinity War. Um, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> Gandalf the White. Mighty Python and the Holy Grail's Black Knight. <laughs> Benicio Mussolini. The Blue Meanie. Cow- <laughs> Cowboy Curtis. Oh, no. Not Cowboy Curtis. Jambi, uh, Jambi the Genie. <laughs> Robocop. The Terminator. Captain Kirk. Darth Vader. Low Pan. Superman. Every single Power Ranger. Aww. Did we mention briefly last week that Power Rangers have been bought by Hasbro? I don't remember if we did think, or not. I think we did briefly. That could be fun impact. What's going to happen there? Hmm. Does that now? Do they now make Power Rangers part of the Hasbro universe of movies? I would imagine so. Um, Bill S. Preston, Theodore Logan. <laughs> oh, there goes the third Bill and Ted movie. <laughs> Spock, The Rock. No. And Doc Ock. Spock, The Rock, and Doc, Doc Ock. <laughs> so, okay, seriously, those folks were not in the movie, so figure out something else. Um, oh, it's back to me, isn't it? It is. Simon Pegg volunteers to play Captain Britain. This could be fun. You skipped uh, the story, but that's all right. We'll let it go. Did I? Yeah, you skipped the uh, the other Captain Marvel story. Oh, okay. I see it. I see your little icon marking up. I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't. For some reason, it didn't pop up. So uh-huh. Annette Bidding is joining Mar- uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, this was an exclusive on Hollywood Reporter. Um the four-time Oscar nominee is appearing in her first superhero movie. Unbelievable. Uh, she, uh, Mississippi Grind directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck are helming the film, which is currently in production in and around Los Angeles. Uh, the project will also shoot in Louisiana. Interesting. Yeah, because that makes me wonder if it's being shot in, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, because there is an Air Force base there. Ah, a major hmm. Air Force base there. Really? SAC headquarters. It's where the uh, majority of our B-52s are kept. Oh, interesting. Yes. Very now, interesting. Now, now I'm going to IMDB and look up locations. <laughs> uh, filming locations. Right now they just list Los Angeles and Oxnard. 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 Um, so according to this story, filming in Louisiana, unless Mississippi Grind is filming in Louisiana. Um of course, Brie Larson is the the pick as Carol Danvers, an Air Force pilot whose DNA fuses with that of an alien, sending her headlong into an intergalactic adventure. Okay, so they changed it up slightly, wasn't it? Slightly. Because I thought she was born Cree, but raised human. Uh, something like that. I thought she was like half, half Cree, half human. Okay. Um, I could be wrong on that, though. Could be. I don't know. Um... 
Well, I need to do some research. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, the character was a major tease in Infinity War. Uh, even though the so- although the solo movie is set in the nineties, there's already been speculation. Well, why why go to the Avengers protocol if they knew about Captain Marvel already? And just why didn't they go there? Um, I have to wait and see. Yep. So. Um, now, the cast already includes Jude Law, Ben Mendelsohn, and Gemma Chan, as well as Dejman Hunso and Lee Pace, with the latter pair reprising their roles from Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't even remember who they were. Lee Pace was Ronan. Okay, that makes sense. And I have no clue who that other, <laughs> that other one is. Digimon. Uh, it's the second cousin to Pokemon. <laughs> and third cousin to Dig- Digimon. I enjoyed the Digimon cartoons. Anyway. Yeah, I still like those. Uh, details on Benning's character are being kept hidden and deep in the Kree Empire, but scientist, quote unquote, is said to be in her job description. Uh, hmm. So that's where we're at there. Now we go on to the next. <laughs> yes. Um, but before we do that... Uh, we found information about Captain Marvel. As soon as it comes up. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Dig- Digimon Hunsao was Korath. Oh, okay. Uh, which is the guy who stopped Star-Lord at the beginning. And is seen off and on throughout the movie. I don't know. I guess, I guess that they were right. Uh, she, Carol Danvers, first appeared as an officer in the United States Air Force and a colleague of the Kree superhero Marvel. Uh, and then in Marvel Superheroes number 13, that's when she first appeared, and later became the first incarnation of Miss Marvel in Miss Marvel number 1, January 1977. After her DNA was fused with Marvel's during an explosion, giving her superhuman powers. So yeah, so it was an explosion that that fused her DNA with Marvel, ah. the Cree, the Cree hero. So that is where that okay. is her story. That works. All right, nice. So we learned something, kids. Well, moving, <laughs> moving right along. Yes, moving right along. Uh, to another hero, another Marvel hero, and uh, another one, uh, one of my favorite actors, uh, Simon Pegg has volunteered to play Captain Britain. Um, of course, he he admits that he is probably slightly too old, and uh, at forty eight, <laughs> uh, in an interview with JoeBlow.com. The, he revealed that when he was asked about his idea for a superhero role, he said, I mean, Captain Britain was this Marvel superhero that I loved growing up. I'm not going to attempt a British accent because <laughs> he was the British member of that community. Uh, I even had a Captain Britain mask when I was a kid, but I fear I would probably be slightly too old now. But if they do have – if a Captain Britain movie comes about, they're going to need a, Brit- a British cast, so – um, right now, it's unknown where Captain Britain's film rights sit. Although he debuted in his own standalone Marvel UK title, he has most commonly been associated with the X-Men, like his sister Psylocke, who debuted alongside him in comics and has appeared in X-Men live-action films. So I don't remember him in X-Men live-action films. No, Psylocke was. Oh. He, wait, no, wait, was he? No. No, I think just Psylocke was. Yeah, Psylocke was in uh, Apocalypse. But yeah, uh, um, but yeah. So don't there. 
this is just um, wishful thinking on Simon Pegg's part. There is no plan right now for Captain Britain in any movies, and there's no plan right now for Simon Pegg to play Captain Britain, as far as we know. But yeah, he's a little old. He probably have to play like an old, like old man Captain Britain yeah. <laughs> after he retires. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be funny though. I love Simon Pegg. Uh, I love him too. Uh, for for someone who who was who is a Star Wars fan who also um, was kind of critical about the films or at least the prequels. Uh, you know, he's been the voice of Dengar in Clone Wars, and then of course he's <laughs> uh, the vo- you know he he's. He is encore on Jakku, which during May fourth, when they were running the the marathon on TBS, I never realized in Force Awakens, Jakku is mentioned two different ways. Really? Yeah. Um. There, there's Jakku and Jakku. Huh. Uh. The officer when he comes up to tell Ren that um they left the planet and Ren goes nuts on the on the console because they have left Jakku or left Jakku. Instead of Jakku, I was like, okay, somebody needs to get their story straight. <laughs> so, uh, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. Yep. So, anyway, um, Batman the Animated Series is going to return as a board game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it returns the series, uh, returns this August as a board game from IDW Games. Uh, Batman, the animated series Gotham Under Siege, is a first in a series of tabletop games based on legendary, on the legendary cartoon franchise. Uh, it allows one to five players to use dice allocation and threat management to be a Gotham hero fighting crime in Gotham City. The game will feature new artwork, character miniatures, just the miniatures alone would be great. Um, oh, 3D, yeah. 3D city buildings and other board game elements. Uh, it's supposed to go on sale in August and it was at a, and we'll have a preview event at Origins Game Fair in June. This thing's kind of cool. I wish they had better yeah. pictures of the game though. I know. That's the only thing. That's my only thing. I want to see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that's going to wrap it up. I think so. So, any final thoughts? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I'd like to congratulate Roland Man and the game. Yeah. On, um, uh, on they, they accomplished their goal in what was it under 48 hours or just over? Just over 48 hours. I thought. Yeah, I believe so. And now they are working on their stretch goals. And they put out they put out an email the other day, uh, May six. Hey, my anniversary. <laughs> um, that you know to talk about their um, that they they made it to their Kickstarter and everything. They made it to their goal, and they sent out a link and a picture of when they were on our podcast last week. There's a picture taken from. Uh, Roland's wife of him on the computer and you can see all of us on the computer there and uh, he sent that out with his with his update on the Kickstarter so that was cool that was fun yeah and of course you notice he had copies of the book already sitting on the side <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like uh, yeah that's not fair <laughs> so congratulations to to uh, all of them yeah looking forward it, it's uh, no. Um, God, I can't type as well. Um, yeah, it's 
it's cool. I'm glad this project's going well. I, I'm glad it's kind of forced them to think about more, um, um, whatchamacallit, more uh, stretch goals. Yeah. So that's th- that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm happy for them. I don't think I have anything else either. So uh, if there's nothing else, then there's only one thing left to do. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.